Welcome to Mornings with Jesus. This is a live, interactive Bible study where we can connect with Christ and community daily and deeply. Join us every weekday morning at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as we read a chapter of the Bible, pray, and share our reflections. Whether you are joining live or on the replay, I know God will meet you here. I also want to invite you to the Faith Mamas Tribe app. This is a free app where women of faith can connect, be encouraged, and have their faith strengthened. It's the online social space I know you've been looking for. So make sure to do three things before we start. One, subscribe to this channel. Two, share this with a friend. And three, download the app. Trust me, you'll be glad you did. Now let's dive into today's Mornings with Jesus. Hey, good morning. Good morning to you or good afternoon or good evening or whatever time it is where you are when you're watching this and hanging out with us. Uh, welcome to Mornings with Jesus. If this is your first time here, hello. We are so glad you're here. My name is Dominique Young and welcome to the Faith Mama's Tribe. We um, study the Bible. <laughs> we study the Bible together. We talk about it. We read it together. And if that sounds like something that you're interested in, then you are absolutely in the right place. But before we jump in, I want to say good morning to some of my friends that I see here live this morning. Good morning, Lilith. Good morning, Brickell. Oh, wait, let me go up. Good morning, Barb. Good morning, Joanne. Good morning, Nydia. Good morning, Miss Margaret. Good morning, Latrice. Good morning, Lashana. Good morning, CJ. Good morning, Brandy. Good morning, Natalia. Good morning, Shelly. Good morning, Audrey. Good morning, April. Good morning, Donita. Good morning, Shanda. Good morning, Dee. Good morning, Bevy. So excited to see you guys this morning. And hello to everybody on the replay. Um, I'm just excited that we are here and able to study the word of God together, um, or the scriptures together. I'm so excited about that. Good morning, Roma. All right, y'all. Before we jump into today's chapter, which is Joshua chapter 11, whoo, Joshua chapter 11. Before we jump into that, I want to go ahead and start us off with some gratitude. What are you grateful to God for this morning? What are you grateful to God for this morning. Nydia says, I'm grateful to God, period. I can't do this without him. Hallelujah. I can't do this without him. I agree. I'm grateful to God, period. Just, just grateful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I also want to say I'm grateful to God for a, a lot of things. But yesterday, I found out that um, my job that I'm currently working is changing um, to a point that I am unable to continue the job um, because of some of the requirements and different things. It's just changing into a full-time position. And some of you guys know I'm currently homeschooling my kids. There's a lot of things that I'm currently doing and I can't um, commit to a full-time position at this time in my life. Um, and so... I'm glad that it's turning into a full-time position because I think that that is exactly what this job needs. I think that's what I've been trying to do, um, but it's just not working out, right? 
And so I'm grateful because I didn't fall apart and be like, oh, I got to figure this out. Oh, how can I figure out how to do this? And blah, blah, blah. I, I'm like, you know what, Lord, I was asking you to show me what to do. And you're showing me praise the Lord. I am just grateful. I am grateful that God showed me recently that, hey, you go through challenges in life. You might have troubles, but it doesn't mean that your life has to be heavy. If you give God the weight, like, all right, Lord, what are we going to do now? What testimony is loading now? Come on. What am I going to be able to what 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 am I going to be able to share about your goodness now? I'm just excited, y'all. I'm excited about wherever God is leading next. Um what things I'm going to be able to share about the goodness of God next. I got a lot of history with God. And so I am grateful to be able to have another opportunity. I used to think it was so funny when people would say, I'm grateful for the hard times. But truly, I truly, those are the times when we get an opportunity to get a front row seat to the goodness of God. Is it difficult? Yes. But God is good and it doesn't have to be heavy. Come on. It doesn't have to be heavy. Hallelujah. It's an opportunity to see what God is going to do. It's a, we saw, we said it in the app yesterday. I put, put in an email. It's a testimony loading. It's a testimony loading. Hallelujah. All right. What are, what is standing out to you? Nydia says, I'm grateful for God, period. I can't do this without him. Amen. Brickell says, I'm grateful to be grateful because I'm tired. <laughs> Brandy says, I'm grateful for much needed rest yesterday evening. Amen. Audrey says, I'm great. I am so grateful for the season of purging my heart for Jesus to sink deep within me. Come on. Bevy says, I'm grateful to God for life, health, and a sound mind. Amen. Joanne says, I'm grateful to God for all his blessings. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Roma says, grateful for it all. God is better than good. Come on. Jessica says, so grateful that his ways are not my ways and his thoughts are not my thoughts. Grateful I don't have to lean on my own understanding. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! Medea says, I'm grateful for life. Hallelujah. Lenita says, Dominique, can you answer the question about why we pray if God is in control and going to do what he wants anyway? I was explaining it to someone yesterday and I want to make sure, oh, well, this is it. This is a good question. I'm going to answer it as quickly, but try to answer as thoroughly as possible. This is why we pray. Prayer changes us. Prayer changes us. A lot of times we think about prayer changing God, but prayer changes us and aligns us with God. Prayer should be a conversation that we have with God to get on God's page, right? Because a lot of times we have a ton of different things that we want and a lot of different things that the people around us want. But prayer puts us back in relationship with God and, and puts our perspective on him, right? So it's kind of like talking to your parent, asking your parent about something. You ask them because you want to hear their response and their reply to your request. You don't ask them because you're trying to convince them. You ask them because it's something that I would like and I want to hear your response and your reply on this. Prayer should change me. 
Prayer should align my perspective to God's perspective. That is what prayer should do. Prayer should allow me to put my requests out there to my good father and be willing to hear his response on the matter. For so long, we have used prayer as a manipulative tactic. If we try to do things like that with our parents, our parents would tell us about ourselves, right? That's not prayer. Prayer is to put us in, in alignment with God's purposes. Because let's be honest, oftentimes we go throughout our day and we just we talk to everybody else but God. And prayer should be an opportunity for us to talk and align ourselves with God. Prayer changes us. Prayer changes us. It does. Because it aligns us back with with God's will. That's what it should do, right? We put our requests out and then we listen for his response. That's what that's what prayer should do. Do you, you remember what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane where he said, "Oh Lord, take this cup from me." But nevertheless, you see how he was pray, he was praying, he was sharing his heart, but then he was receiving God's will also and realigning himself to the will of God. So that is what prayer should do. All right, that's what prayer should do. Amen. I hope I answered that well. Um, and I feel like I probably need to do a whole video about it because <laughs> that's a great question. Natias is grateful that all things are working for my good. Come on, Nidius is give God everything. Come on, hallelujah. Donita says, I'm grateful for learning how to press into the Lord during trials. Please keep my family in prayer as well. We will have service for my aunt tomorrow. I'm glad she was a believer. Father God, we lift up Donita's family. Lord God, we pray that the homegoing service for her aunt tomorrow will be in a, a, a wonderful just testimony of her life. Father God, we pray that they will get an opportunity to reflect and to share a love uh, with one another and that your peace rests in that place. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Je I love Jessica. Jessica said, excited for you, sis. That's big. Come on, Wincy. When you tell somebody that you, you're, you're transitioning from your job and they'd be like, that's big. You know, that's your sister right there. Like, come on, let's see what God's going to do. Hallelujah. Lilith says, I am grateful to God for always taking care of us, even though at times we forget him. He never leaves us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shanice is thankful for Faith Mama's prayers. The bat removal guy showed up yesterday to add another uh, valve to the opposite side of the house. I feel so much better getting rid of the bats. Praise the Lord. So glad to hear it. Lanita said, uh, Donita reminded us to read all of Jeremiah 29 past the plans part. So read Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. Grateful for this reminder. Hallelujah. Karen says, I'm grateful for provision. Come on. Erica says, I'm grateful for the hard. Come, Woo. Grateful for the hard. Hallelujah. <laughs> and she says, grateful for her husband that kicked me out of bed. Come on. When your husband's like, come on, get up. You said you wanted to get up this morning. Hallelujah. God is good. God is good. Good morning, Trisha. <laughs> That's awesome. Good morning. Hallelujah. This is awesome. Hallelujah. Latrice says, I am great. I'm thankful for God, the God of restoration. Nidia reminds us that Cherie's workout classes tonight. Praise the Lord. Dee says, I'm grateful for God's word and the Holy Spirit and the ability to draw on my experience and make it real for me. I'm turning to him, not man first. I am thankful. Hallelujah. 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 Roma gives us an acronym for pray. P 
Pause, rejoice, ask, yield. Come on. That's what it is. Hallelujah. Shelly says, I'm grateful to God for teaching me to depend on him because he is my source. He is still working on me. Hallelujah. Whew, when you know God is still working on you, that's a good thing, right? That's a good thing. Mary says, I'm grateful for wisdom and correction. Amen. And she's praying for Sister Donita. Praise the Lord. Karen says, grateful for your post on testimony loading. Come on. Testimony loading. I'm going to be saying that. I pray that you will say that as well when you find yourself going through a situation that looks hopeless. Because let me say, let me tell you, looks can be deceiving. Throughout the scriptures, we see situations that look hopeless, but looks can be deceiving. Tess says, grateful for another day and for God's amazing grace, his presence, love, peace, mercy, and daily provision. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. T. Horton says, I'm grateful to God for his mercy and grace. Amen. Trisha says, I'm grateful for God's protection, healing, and his love. God's love is unconditional. CJ says, I'm grateful for my daughter. Today is her 12th birthday. Amen. Happy 12th birthday. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Karen says she just came out of a hopeless looking situation. Come on. Come on. It looks like, it may look like all hope is lost. But what do we say? Look again. <laughs> Look again. Looks can be deceiving. Look again. And this time, look through God's perspective and you might see something a little bit different than what you thought you saw before. God is good, y'all. All right, y'all. We're about to jump into Joshua chapter 11. Can you believe what we are in Joshua chapter 11? But before we jump in, you know, we got to pray. And I'm just excited to be here with y'all celebrating CJ's daughter's birthday and all the great things and the hard thing. God is so good. All right. Well, let's go ahead and pray as we prepare to jump into Joshua chapter 11. <sighs> Father God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord God, that you are big you are great. You are wonderful. There's none like you in all the earth. Lord God, we thank you, Father, for showing us a different perspective. We thank you, Lord, that you've shown us a different way to live. We thank you, Lord, that you've shown us a different way to look at things. We thank you, Lord, that you've shown us a different way to, to walk through life. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, that when we show up, Lord God, you're already here. And we thank you, God, that every time we open up the scriptures, even when it's hard, there are some challenging parts in scripture. Even when it's hard, Lord God, you show up, you lead us and you guide us. Then you show us yourself, your heart, your character. And Lord God, I pray that you would help us today to see you. Lord, I pray that you would help our hearts not to be so focused on ourselves, but Lord God, that our hearts be open to see you, to know you better. In the name of Jesus, where you lead, we will follow God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. 
we are getting ready to jump into Joshua chapter 11. I'm going to ask you guys to please share the video, uh, share it on your social media, share it wherever, because somebody may need to jump into the scriptures with us today. I'm not guaranteeing that this is going to be an easy chapter because Joshua is just not an easy book. However, I encourage you to share it because you never know. You never know what God will do um, in the hearts and lives of someone else, even through the difficult chapters of the Bible. All right, we're going to read Joshua chapter 11 today. And if you've ever read with us, you know that we read the chapter two times. The first time we kind of get a picture in our mind of all that's happening. The second time we take out our pens, our highlighters. We highlight key words and write in the margins, take a little bit of notes. Um, and so if that sounds like something you're interested in, then again, you are in the right place. I'll be reading from the CSB translation, but you can feel free to read from whatever translation you have available to you. Here we go. Joshua chapter 11. Joshua chapter 11. Here we go. <laughs> when King Jabin of Hazor heard this news, he sent a message to King Jobab of Madon, the kings of Shimron and Ashpah, and the kings of the north in the hill country, the Arabah south of Chenireth, the Judean foothills, and the slopes of Dor to the west, the Canaanites in the east and west, the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, and Jebusites in the hill country, and the Hivites at the foot of Hermon in the land of Mizpah. They went out with all their armies, a multitude as numerous as the sand on the seashore, along with a vast number of horses and chariots. All these kings joined forces they came and camped together at the waters of Merom and a, to attack Israel. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. For at this time tomorrow, I will cause all of them to be killed before Israel. You are to hamstring their horses and burn their chariots. So Joshua and all his troops surprised them at the waters of Merom and attacked them. The Lord handed them over to Israel, and they struck them down, pursuing them as far as greater Sidon and Misrephoth Mam, and to the east as far as the valley of Mizpah. They struck them down, leaving no survivors. Joshua treated them as the Lord had told him. He hamstrung their horses and burned their chariots. At that time, Joshua turned back, captured Hazor, and struck down its king with the sword because Hazor had formerly been the leader of all these kingdoms. They struck down everyone in it with the sword, completely destroying them. He left no one alive. Then he burned Hazor. Joshua captured all these kings in their cities and struck them down with the sword. He completely destroyed them as Moses, the Lord's servant, had commanded. However, Israel did not burn any of the cities that stood on their mounds except Hazar, which Joshua burned. The Israelites plundered 
all the spoils and cattle of these cities for themselves, but they struck down every person with the sword until they had annihilated them, leaving no one alive. Just as the Lord had commanded his servant Moses, Moses commanded Joshua. That is what Joshua did, leaving nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. So Joshua took all this land, the hill country, all the Negev, all the land of Goshen, the foothills of Arabah, and the hill country of Israel with its foothills. From Mount Halak, which ascends to Seir as far as Belgad in the valley of Lebanon at the foot of the Mount Hermon. He captured all their kings and struck them down, putting them to death. Joshua waged war with all these kings for a long time. No city made peace with the Israelites except the Hivites who inhabited Gibeon. All of them were taken in battle for it was the Lord's intention to harden their hearts so that they would engage Israel in battle, be completely destroyed without mercy and be annihilated just as the Lord had commanded Moses. At that time, Joshua proceeded to exterminate the Anakim from the hill country, Hebron, Debir, Anab, all the hill country of Judah and of Israel. Joshua completely destroyed them with their cities. No Anakim were left in the land of the Israelites, except for some remaining in Gaza, Gath, and Ashdod. So Joshua took the entire land in keeping with all that the Lord had told Moses. Joshua then gave it as an inheritance to Israel, according to their tribal allotments. After this, the land had rest from war. Let's read this chapter one more time. Here we go. Joshua chapter 11. When King Jabin of Hazor heard this news, he sent a message to King Jobab of Madon, the kings of Shimron and Ashkpha, and the kings of the north and the hill country, the Arab, the Araba south of Chinnereth, the Judean foothills, and the slopes of Dor to the west, the Canaanites in the east and west, the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, and Jebusites in the hill country, and the Hivites at the foot of Hermon in the land of Mizpah. They went out with all their armies, a multitude as numerous as the sand on the seashore, along with a vast number of horses and chariots. All these kings joined forces. They came and camped together at the waters of Miram and attacked to attack Israel. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. For at this time tomorrow, I will cause all of them to be killed before Israel. You are to hamstring their horses and burn their chariots. So Joshua and all his troops surprised them at the waters of Miram and attacked them. The Lord handed them over to Israel, and they struck them down, pursuing them as far as greater Sidon and Mizrapoth, ma'am, and to the east as far as the valley of Mizpah. They struck them down, leaving no survivors. Joshua treated them as the Lord had told him. 
he hamstrung their horses and burned their chariots. At that time, Joshua turned back, captured Hazor, and struck down its king with the sword, because Hazor had formerly been the leader of all these kingdoms. They struck down everything or everyone in it with the sword, completely destroying them. He left no one alive. Then he burned Hazor. Joshua captured all these kings and their cities and struck them down with the sword. He completely destroyed them as Moses, the Lord's servant, had commanded. However, Israel did not burn any of the cities that stood on their mounds except Hazor, which Joshua burned. The Israelites plundered all the spoils and cattle of these cities for themselves, but they struck down every person with the sword until they had annihilated them, leaving no one alive. Just as the Lord had commanded his servant Moses, Moses commanded Joshua. That is what Joshua did, leaving nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. Joshua took all this land, the hill country, all the Najib, all the land of Goshen, the foothills, the Arabah, and the hill country of Israel with its foothills. From Mount Halak, which ascends to Seir, as far as Balgad, and the valley of Lebanon at the foot of Mount Hermon. He captured all their kings and struck them down, putting them to death. Joshua waged war with all these kings for a long time. No city made peace with the Israelites except the Hivites who inhabited Gibeon. All of them were taken in battle. For it was the Lord's intention to harden their hearts so that they would engage Israel in battle, be completely destroyed without mercy, and be annihilated, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. At that time, Joshua proceeded to exterminate the Anakim from the hill country. Hebron, Debir, Anab, all the hill country of Judea and of Israel. Joshua completely destroyed them with their cities. No Anakim were left in the land of the Israelites, except for some remaining in Gaza, Gath, and Ashdod. So Joshua took the entire land and keeping with all that the Lord had told Moses. Joshua then gave it as an inheritance to Israel according to their tribal allotments. After this, the land had rest from war. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we thank you. Lord, some of these chapters are so hard to read. To hear about the war and all these different things that happen to people. But Lord God, we pray that as we move into a time of reflection, that you would show us your heart, that you would show us your purpose, your plans, and that you would draw us closer to you. Lord, where you lead, we will follow. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's take a few moments to reflect on Joshua chapter 11 personally, and then we will come back together and reflect corporately. Here we go.
All right, we are back and ready to reflect. And I have a real question. Like I had to ask my husband this. I was like, all the people that say Joshua is their favorite book in the Bible. I'm like, how? <laughs> this book is so hard for me to read. It's it's you see God and you understand his character. And I'm just like, how? <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. So now for a little bit of background, as people are typing in the, the parts, the verses, the words that stood out to you, the questions that you may have and all of that. And after I just gave my little, ah, <laughs> out loud, let me give a little bit of background just in case you were not here the past couple of days and you're just now jumping in with us. So Joshua is the one who has been commissioned by God to take the, the promised land. So before it was Moses who had the role of getting, getting Israel out of Egypt, right? And we see throughout Exodus and throughout their journey in the wilderness, we see amazing signs, amazing miracles done um, as Moses was leading them uh, through the leading and guidance of God. So now we have Joshua. And Joshua's the warrior. And so he's going and he's taking land. And this land, the land of Canaan, would then become the promised land of Israel. So it will become Israel's land. But they have they have gone through Jericho um, and they have gone through Ai. And then they then the Gibeonites um, made a treaty with them uh, so that they will because Basically, everybody knew that the children of Israel were coming. They knew why they were coming. It was not a, a, a surprise to anybody. But then after Gibeon made a treaty, then there was a couple of nations that decided, oh, we're going to fight Gibeon um, because, nah, they're not about to do this. And then Israel came, rescued Gibeon, defeated all five of those nations. And now a couple more nations are like, oh, wait, we're not going to wait till Israel gets to us. We know that they're on their way. We're going to go ahead and fight them too. So they go and they go to try to sneak attack on Israel, um, but it doesn't work. And that's where we are now. This book is full of war. It is full of war and it is for me uncomfortable, but this is this is the testimony of Israel and what they walked through from the wilderness to the promised land, which is the land believed to be where they're living now, um, the Israelites where they're living now. Whew. All right. So what is standing out since we did that little bit of a recap, we've got kind of some of the timeline. What is standing out to you about this chapter? What are some things that you're thinking, um, some ideas on your heart and mind, and then I'll share some that are on mine and we'll see how God puts this all together. CJ says, verse 12 through 14 stood out to me. Also verse 23, the land had rest from war. Yeah. Verse 12 through 14. Let's go there. And it says, let me make sure I'm at the right place. And it says, Joshua captured all these kings in their cities and struck them down with the a sword. He completely destroyed them as Moses, the Lord's servant had commanded. However, Israel did not burn any of the cities that stood on their mounds, except Hazar, which Joshua burned. The Israelites plundered all the spoils and cattle of these cities for themselves, but they struck down every person with the sword until they had annihilated them, leaving no one alive. CJ, why did that stand out to you? Help me out, okay? Why did What, what is standing out to you about it? Donita said, just like yesterday, will I do what God commanded? 
no matter how comfortable it is. Donita said verse 20 stood out to me because it said God hardened their hearts. Yeah. And what does that word hardened mean in Hebrew? Because we know that the Old Testament is mostly written in Hebrew. And I wrote a note and it's the word Kazak. We've heard this word before in Exodus when um, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And what does it mean? It means to strengthen, basically to make it firm where it is, right? So this is the under the understanding that God does not possess humans, right? But he does, we see throughout scripture, he hardens their hearts where they are, right? So basically, whatever they, whatever evil they were thinking to do, he strengthened that thing right there so that they wouldn't lose heart. And that their hearts would be hard and they would be they would be willing to do the thing they said they were going to do. Right. So that their heart so that their heart wouldn't crumble. They would do the thing that they said they were going to do, even though it was a whole hot mess. Right. Lilith says, verse six, do not be afraid. Come on. Donnie said, verse 23 stood out to me because I saw the word rest. Praise the Lord. Karen said, Joshua took the whole region. He did everything that God had told Moses. Then he parceled it out as an inheritance to Israel, according to their tribes. And Israel had rest from war, Joshua eleven twenty three. Yeah, and, and in the future chapters, we're going to see how he distributed the land and why that's important. Brandy said, Joshua is a warrior. What stood out to me is, jo- is God chooses the right person for his purpose, and um, and we should do just as the Lord commanded. Come on, Joshua was a warrior when he was a when he was an assistant to Moses. We remember that Joshua was always a warrior. Joshua was the one we we tell the story about how they were in war, they were in a battle, and Moses had to hold up his arms over his head. Um, and when he did that, they would win the battle. But when his arms came down, they would lose, and then. So Joshua was the guy on the ground leading the troops in battle during that. Joshua was also the one in Exodus when the golden calf happened and Moses came down the mountain and Joshua immediately thought there was war in the camp and and Moses had to calm him down and be like, oh, hold on, buddy. It is singing. I hear singing. It's not not battle cries or anything like that. Um, So Joshua was a warrior. Whew. Mm. Latrice says, fear had to be an issue. Like they were coming across a lot of scary stuff because God constantly reminded them to not be afraid. Yes. Erica said, hamstring the horses? Just kill them? It's awful. Come on. This is just... I read the book of Joshua and I'm just like, all right, Lord. What do you want to show me here? Because, oh my goodness. Jessica said, trusting God to get us through our battles, the most extreme ones too. And the best part, they rested from war for a while. Yeah. Donita said, this not, it's not one of my favorites, but I think I understand. It's the bold and courageous part. Yeah. Joshua didn't play with that. He seems to do it the whole time thus far. Yeah. Latrice says, I just love when the Lord tells him not only what he will do, but exactly when, this time tomorrow. 
how I would love to get that exact, that kind of exact answer to prayer. <laughs> yeah. Trisha says, verse one through four, all the kings came together to join forces to fight the Israelites because they had heard about all the victories they had over the land. It still did not stop what God already said. Can we sit there for a minute, right? Can we sit there for a minute? All of these nations heard what God had done, heard about the victories, heard about the parting of the sea, heard about the sun standing still in the earth. And their response was to join forces to fight against this God of Israel. It said, and we have to understand that is the, the fact that Israel was winning these fights was a big deal. Why? Because Israel wasn't that huge. We have to understand these are established nations with established training systems for war, with established military right? This who they're going up against. And not only were they established, these nations who were numerous would partner with one another in order to defeat Israel. Specifically, they knew that they were fighting against the God of Israel, right? That's who the nations were afraid of, not necessarily Israel. They were afraid of the God of Israel, the one who would make make the sun stand still and the one who parted the seas and the one who used this small nation to defeat all these bigger nations. So that's who they were concerned about. But the way they handled it was to go fight against him. Woo. And what did God do in response? They made the determination to go fight and God hardened their heart there. He said, okay. Okay, and he hardened their heart right there so that they would do what they said they were going to do so that it wasn't all talk, but they were actually going to do what they were planning on doing. And God wiped it all out. Ah. And like Trisha said, it didn't stop what God had already said. Why? Because we said yesterday, God has no equal enemy. It has no, God has no equal enemy. Mary said, this chapter shows us we will have to fight some battles. Some will be small while others will be bigger. But if we do as the Lord instructs, we will succeed. Erica said, how did Israel get so small in present day? Well, we're going to see throughout the scriptures that <laughs> Israel got captured and then captured again. And then <laughs> so much happened to Israel, a lot because of disobedience um, throughout scripture. The scriptures will constantly say Israel did whatever they wanted to do. So basically, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. All this happened. All these people died in war, in battle, to get Israel this promised land. 
and Israel gets in it and Israel acts foolish. Israel does the things that God tells them not to do. Israel, um, Israel does the things that the neighboring nations are doing. Israel becomes jealous of the other nations. Israel forgets about all the things that God has done. And then eventually people start capturing them and stuff like that. This different stuff starts happening. And uh, it is a interesting story that shows the heart of humanity. And we'll come back to that. The, if we watch all that happens with Israel, and that's why it's exciting, kind of. I mean, I guess I can see how people get excited about Joshua and they're taking the land and stuff like that. But when you look at it through the context of the entire Bible, you realize that we're actually seeing the human heart on display. And we're going to watch what happens throughout. CJ says it was an entire passage, 12 through 15. I was one verse short, just as the Lord commanded his, his servant Moses, Moses commanded Joshua. And that is what Joshua did, leaving nothing undone of all the Lord. Come on. Mary says, I'm seeing we have to trust the teaching and where we are. Come on. Romans said, this stood out to me, verse six, by this time tomorrow, expectation, God's word will always accomplish what he sends it out to do. CJ says, the will of God will be done by any means necessary. Mary says, be mindful when a person's heart is hardened. You never know. God could be using this for your good. Karen says, it reminds me of Revelation when kings will attempt to battle Jesus Christ. Yeah. Audrey said, this time tomorrow, you shall see the enemy no more. God's promise will come to pass. Hmm. Erica says, I wonder what I have that God would use to harden my heart. Oh, goodness. Yeah. If there's things in that heart that got, that's a, that's a whole reflection question all by itself. Bevy says, what do you think prompted Jabin of Hazar, the King Jabin? to act. She said, verse one says, he heard, come on. He heard what had happened. And so therefore he acted in this way. One of the things we have to understand about this entire Bible is that it is a whole testimony of the children of Israel, of prior to the children of Israel becoming even a nation. It's a testimony of, of, of um, what happened with Israel, but then it's a testimony also of, of how the Gentiles came in. It's a testimony of humanity's interactions with God. Humanity's interactions with God and the heart of humanity on display. 
And one of the things that, that God constantly shows me as we read the scriptures is that he shows the heart of humanity on display and he allows it to be a heart check for us, right? He allows it to be a heart check for us. That's why you have to look at what God is doing on all sides of this so that you can see how the heart of humanity interacts with God. How do I interact with God when he's doing something I don't like? How do I interact with God when he's doing something that I don't want him to do? In the case of these these nations here, they decided they were going to get together and they were going to fight against God. But then the question becomes, and we can easily say, oh yeah, that's why they got defeated. Oh yeah. But if we don't look at the heart of humanity and allow God to examine our own hearts with that information, then we are missing a part of the purpose of the scriptures. Am I asking myself, what is my response when God is doing something I don't like? In Gibeon's case, and we keep going back to Gibeon, we keep going back to Rahab. Gibeon was mentioned here as the only nation. It says right here, it says, no city made peace with Israel except the Hivites who inhabited Gibeon, right? So the question becomes, when God does something I don't like, do I try to manipulate and make God do it my way? Or do I surrender to God's purposes and plan, come in covenant with his way of doing things and walk it out his way? So this is why, and I think it's so powerful that, that who was it? Lenita asked the question about prayer. Because prayer shows us our heart. The scripture shows us our heart. Prayer shows us our heart. Are we going into prayer in order to manipulate God to do it my way? thinking that if I have a powerful enough faith, that's why this theology is pretty dangerous, thinking that if I have a powerful enough faith, I can make God do it my way. This is the mindset that these nations have. If I have a powerful enough army, if I have a powerful enough stance against God, if I go in it as courageous as I can, I can then make God do what I want him to do. Give me and recognize, look, I'm not playing that game. We're not playing that game because this God, the, the God that's fighting on behalf of Israel, I'm not going to try to to be stronger and, and manipulate or be more powerful. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to get in, in covenant with them. Everybody else determined that, oh, no, I'm going to fight against them. And it just never worked out. But the question becomes, even for me, when God, when I, when God is doing something that I don't like, what's my stance? What's my posture? What's my stance? What's my posture? What is my posture when God is doing something that I don't like?
and and is my am I is my ear turned to God or what I think he should do? One of the reasons that God really put it on my heart to read the Bible, read the scriptures out loud, is because one of the things that just kind of bubbled up in my heart is like people say they follow the God of the Bible, but do we really know who he is? And after we learn about who he is, will we still follow him? Jesus was not, when he came, he did not say like, you know, he, he didn't have like these fancy things trying to convince people to follow him. He was honest. He said some really crazy off the wall stuff. Some people left. Remember that time where Jesus was like, if you don't drink my blood and eat my flesh. And, and the people are like, whoa, okay. We loved your miracles, Jesus. But you're, uh, what you're saying, we, that we can't rock with. And they left. And we have to understand that. Even when we read the book of Joshua, some people are going to read it and be like, oh, no. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> but the thing about God is God's like, I'm not going to hold anything back from you. I'm going to tell you who I am. I'm going to show you who I am. I'm going to show you who I've been over generations. And you have a choice. We have to realize God never changes for anybody. He's God. Right? He's God. Does God, does God hear the cries of humans? Yes. Does God answer our prayers? Yes. But we have to understand that God has a mission and he's on mission. Whoo, come on. Hallelujah. 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 Lilith says, God is telling us to lay everything before him. He will take care of it all. We must not be afraid of anything because he is with us so we can conquer all the evil forces of this world. Come on. Can we can we get a good picture of, of God? Let's just look at this because we're here to learn God's character, right? I mean, there was many a times where I would read the scriptures and try to find an encouraging word for me. But the reality is the, the scriptures are really designed to see how God God and humanity interacted over the course of generations, right? It's a testimony story. It's a testimony story. And God is the main character, right? So let's look at this across time. Because we've got to, when we say things like, when we say things like God will protect us, when we say things like God will provide when we say things like God will never leave us or forsake us, we've got to understand what that means, okay? We've got to really understand what that means. Let's just take it from let's just take it from when all this stuff started happening with the children of Israel getting into Egypt and all that stuff. How did they get to Egypt? So let's look at the whole story. We're going to spend about 3 minutes look at the whole story. Joseph had some brothers that didn't like him. 
Okay. So, so Jacob had sons, Jacob became Israel and, and Joseph was one of those sons. Joseph had brothers that didn't like him, but can I tell you that the brothers that didn't like him were part of God's plan? That God was going to use their jealousy of Joseph to get Joseph where he needed to be. And we could shout like, "Woo! yes, God is going to get you where you need to be, where you need to be. Hallelujah. But look at how he got Joseph there. See, this is the thing. Are we willing to trust God's methods? Because I'm not seeing in scripture where they are comfortable. In order to get Joseph to be what we say is a second in command in Egypt, what did it have to happen? His brothers threw him in a well. Then his brothers sold him into slavery. And then the, 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 his master's wife lied on him and threw him in prison. And guess what? All of it was necessary. See, this is the part when we say things like God will provide, God will protect, and we get a picture in our minds of what that looks like. We forget about Joseph's story. We forget about all these things. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this, the, 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 the movie Moana. But I don't know, you know, the movie Moana is kind of interesting, but she, she talks to the ocean and she says to the ocean, can you help me get to Maui? Okay, so the movie's crazy, but I'm just saying. And then the ocean revs up, a big storm comes, the ship goes all over, the little boat she has goes all over the place. It feels like she's about to drown. All this stuff is happening all night long. And then she ends up on an island and she's like yelling at the ocean like, what did you do that for? I asked you for help and you almost drowned me. And then she looked and she realized that she was where she asked the ocean to help her get to. And why do I bring that up? Because the 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 God God works. We see it throughout Scripture. We think that God is more concerned about our feelings, but God recognizes feelings are only temporary. I need to get you to where you need to be. The feelings will come and go. You might be mad at me when you're in the well, but you won't be too mad at me when you're second in command of Egypt. And I understand that you might be huffing and puffing when you're in prison, but you won't be too mad at me when you're second in command. I can't stop what I'm doing because of your temporary feelings. We have to understand how God works. Then Get this, then Joseph, because we're going through the whole thing to see how we got to this point. Then Joseph goes through all this stuff, becomes second in command of Egypt. Why? Because he was able to decipher a dream that basically said there's going to be a famine in the land. So he was put second in command of Egypt to take care of all the food situation so there wouldn't be a famine issue. Then guess what happened? His whole family moved to Egypt. Why? His family moved to Egypt because that was where the food was. Woohoo! God, yeah! God provided! God provided the food! Hallelujah! They ended up then in slavery for 400 years. Why? Because a pharaoh got really nervous about how big they were getting. Wait, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up, God. 
wait a minute, you brought them there to provide food for them. You brought them there to, to, to provide for them. And wait, hold up. I feel like this was this was like now they in slavery for stuff they didn't even do. They didn't even do. They don't owe nobody nothing. Hold up, God, hold up. Slavery is uncomfortable. They're being beaten. They're being hurt. This is the thing we've got to understand. This is the thing we've got to understand about God. God is saying, I have a mission. And this is the thing we've got to get. Sometimes the mission of God leaves us in uncomfortable places. And then after the 400 years of slavery, what happened? Moses comes and we're like, whoa, they get delivered, right? They get delivered from Egypt. And when they, when they leave Egypt, it says a mixed multitude left. So some, some other people started following the God of Israel. Come on. If we're going to talk about the story, we got to talk about it all the way through, right? So some of the, some of the, so now, now nations are hearing about Israel. Guess what? If they never were enslaved, the nations would have never heard about them. If they were still comfortable living in Canaan as wanderers, the, the, the sea would have never got parted. If they were still comfortable, if they had never gone through the 400 years of slavery, and if God had never delivered them from the 400 years of slavery, the, the nations would have never heard about the power of God. That's why it was so powerful to see a tiny group, because compared to Egypt, it was a tiny group of people escape Egyptian captivity by a sea that got parted. But guess what? If they were never in slavery, this story would have never been important, impactful. So then they leave slavery and they come into they come into the wilderness and all the things happen in the wilderness. And this testimony about what God is doing is starting to spread to all the nations all around. Why? Because God is on a mission for humanity. And that may mean you got to sit in some uncomfortable places. That may mean that you got to go through stuff you don't want to go through. That may mean you're sitting up here crying because you feel like you're in a wilderness season and God's like, come on now. Why do I say this? Because we have created a God that, that in our minds that is so concerned about our feelings. But God is like, nah, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I, I don't want you to be sad, but I understand that sometimes you're going to get sad because you just don't understand what I'm doing. And sometimes you're going to cry because it's just really, it's really difficult. We think that God is going to stop because we're, we're upset. That's not how he works. So when we say God provides, when we say God protects, when we say God makes a way, we've got to understand how he does it. Never in the scriptures does God bring a cloud down and protect us in a bubble and then takes us. That's not how he does it. He said, look, I'll take you through a storm if I have to. I'll put you in slavery if that's going to get you where you need to be. I'll, I'll make sure that you get into the, the right prison if it makes sure that you're going to be the second in command in Egypt. Or yeah, 
I'll make sure you get where you need to be. What That's what we've got to understand about how God works. So when we say, oh, God provides, God protects, God, God does what he says he's going to do. Yes. And we've got to understand that sometimes it's uncomfortable for us. Donna says that may mean your family will be against you and throw you in a hole and sell you into slavery. But God, come on. We've got to understand this when we say that God will provide. We've got to understand that the way he does it isn't always comfortable. Donnie said, who knew me crying in my 400 square foot studio in Boston because of my choices would lead me to loving my, uh, lead me to a loving family in Maryland. I had no idea, but I'm glad God did not follow my feelings. Karen said, I've had to go through the fire to be refined and prepared. I don't know why, and I don't know who this is for. If it's not for you, go ahead and throw it out. But it's for someone. God is saying, you want me to move based on your tears. But when I get you to where I'm taking you, you're going to understand why I couldn't, I couldn't do what you were asking me to do. You want me to change the situation because the situation is, is causing you tears. And God says, but if you knew where I was taking you, you would understand why I, I, I couldn't just change because you were crying. The children of Israel are going to get to a point where they they so blessed and everything's going so great. And they're like, we don't want God. We want to do it our own way. You're going to see it. It's going to be crazy. You're going to be like, what? It's just, it's going to be crazy. And then God is like, fine, have, have it your way. Have what you want. And it seems harsh. Like, man, God, you, you're going to let them get captured. You're going to let the, the land get, you know, destroyed up like this. And God had to get me to understand. I'm not after your perfect situation. God says, I, you're the one concerned about the size of your house. You're the one concerned about the size of your car. You're the one concerned about the size of your bank account. God said, I'm concerned about souls. That will always be my concern. You're the one concerned about whether it's comfortable or not. God's like, look, I will send my son to hang on a tree if that means that souls will be saved. We've got to understand, God's like, you, you're trying to make your concerns my concerns. Then yes, I love you, but you got to know that God is, God has a mission in mind. God has a mission in mind. 
God has a mission in mind. We have to get this. We have to understand this. God's mission is not my comfort. God's mission is not my big house. Will he open up a door? May he give it to you? Yes, but I can guarantee you if he gives it to you, it's because of his mission. What did he say to the children of Israel? He said, when you get to this land, don't forget about me. What did they do? They forgot about him. Why? Because God's mission was souls, but their mission was stability and comfort. So when they got what they wanted, they forgot about God. The God that got them there. They also forgot about their trials and they forgot about their struggles and they forgot about all the things he walked them through. Why is all this important? Why is reading the book of Joshua important even though it makes me cringe? (laughs) It's important because it gives us a sobering reality of God. It's easy to get drunk off this idea that God just wants me happy. Happy is such a fleeting emotion. Why would that be the base of God's mission? God just wants me to have all the things. The Old Testament sobers you up real quick. That's why a lot of people don't like to read it. (laughs) It sobers you up real quick. It's like, oh, oh, oh. (laughs) It helps you to realize, look, God will let you get sold into slavery if it means that you'll you'll be where he needs you to be. What? Not my God. Yes, your God. If it means I get you to the to the country I need you to be at to do the work I need you to do there. What? Uh-uh. I don't know if I can deal with that. Okay, well, it doesn't make it any less true. It'll sober you up real fast. But God, what they did was wrong. They shouldn't have even. Yeah. 
And when we quote the scripture, we say, all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. Do you realize he said all things? God's like, I'm not against using anything to get you to where I need you to be. I'll use a well. I'll use your jealous brother selling you into slavery. I'll, I'll use I'll use a, the woman lying on you and saying that you were trying to rape her. This is Joseph's story. I'll use her. I'll use her to get you to be thrown in the right prison. Come on. I'll use the fact that all, that the baker and the, and the, and the cupbearer forgot about you. Oh, I'll use that too so that they won't remember you until the time comes when I actually need you to be out. Oh, I'll use all of that. I'll use your rejection. I'll use I'll use bondage. I'll use your discomfort. I, I'll I'll use the situation and the circumstance you just want to get out of so fast. Cause I'll I'll use that too. I'll use your your forty years in the wilderness to raise up a whole nother generation. Oh, I'll use that too. I'll use the fact that your family don't like you. So I was like, oh, I'm real good at using families that don't like people. I'll use that too. I'll use the fact that you were the forgotten brother like King David, the forgotten brother that wasn't called when all the other brothers were called, the one that was left in the shepherd's pen to be smelling like dirt with the sheep. Oh, I'll use that too. Come on. It makes for a better story. God's like, I'm not beyond. This is what we have to realize. This is how the, the Old Testament sobers us up. God says, I'm not beyond doing what needs to be done to get you to where you need to be. But God, it just seems so harsh. Yep. But I'm not beyond doing what needs to be done to get you to where you need to be. But God, I lost my job. Okay, because I'm leading you somewhere. But God, I can't find a job. Okay, it's because I'm doing something. But God, could you do something with me having secure employment? Nope. For some of us, that's the answer. Nope. But God, I lost my house. God, the foreclosure. God, the this. And God's like, I needed to do it this way to get you to where you need to be. Well, God, could you have done it another way? No. 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 We don't, we, we, we as believers, we get, we get so antsy about hearing no from God. We think God's supposed to say yes to everything that we, we want because the scriptures say God's promises are yes and amen. And we take that to mean that everything we say, God has to say yes to. That is a lie. God says no all the time. He says, no, not that way. No, I'm not going that direction. No, I'm not taking that shortcut. We've got to be willing to say, if God said no, if he shuts the door, it's because he's taking us somewhere. Come on, Carmina says, God uses the devil too. Remember, Job? The devil had to go ask God for permission. And God said, oh, check out my servant Job. We don't want to talk about that God, but that's who we serve. The one who's willing to be like, oh yeah, check out, check out him. 
because I know he's not, I know his heart. I know he's not going to falter. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Check out him. And, and, and when I read Job's story, I get so angry. I'm like, God, you took away his kids. God, his kids died in this. And God's like, do you realize you are an eternal being? You worried about kids that he's going to see again. You're worried about stuff. God's like, look, I'm after souls for eternity. You're worried about momentary. This is why God's not worried about our momentary discomfort because God is eternal. Do you know how long our our three months of tears looks to God? It looks like three seconds. Come on, God is eternal. Whoo. God, why didn't you let my loved one live that I was praying for, God? Why didn't you? And God's like, it was their, it was their time ago. What do you mean? God, why didn't you do it this way? Why didn't God's like, look, y'all gonna have to trust me because if you don't trust me, I'm still gonna do what I'm gonna do. But you're driving yourself crazy, not trusting me. You're driving yourself crazy. Worried about things you can't change. Worried about stuff you can't fix. Try crying over problems. You're just going to drive yourself crazy. God said, you're going to drive yourself crazy. I'm still going to do what I'm going to do. I'm still going to do what I'm going to do. The Old Testament will sober you up about God. To God... Homelessness is not an, an issue like it is for us. He's like, oh, it's just a it's just a path to get you where I need you to go. He has a different, higher perspective. And we have to understand he, he sits above the earth. He sits above our situations. He sits above our circumstances. We've got to understand this. So even when I'm reading Joshua and it's uncomfortable to me, I have to trust that God sits sits above. Right? And And that he has a plan. And that even though it's uncomfortable for me, God is not going to stop the show because of my discomfort. There are souls on the line. Souls. Souls. And Colleen said, and sometimes God gives us our desires. Notice I said ours, and it will only lead 
to our complete destruction. He allowed that too in the Bible. Okay, this is what you want? They wanted a king. God said, I am your king. They didn't want that. They wanted a king like everybody else had. Read this Bible. See what happened with all kings. They want to listen to God. They want to listen to man. Okay. Sometimes we need to stop crying out for stuff we think we want. We need to stop and listen a little bit. Oh, Jesus. That goes back to what we said about prayer earlier. Come on. We use prayer as a way to manipulate God into doing what we want him to do. But then when we get what we want, it ain't really what we want. We should have just sat and listened. God, I want a job. Lord, bless me with a job. Oh, God, I need a job. He give you a job. Oh, my feet hurt. Oh, it's too hard. Oh, my God, I got to go out every morning, Lord. I don't know. I don't like these jobs. I don't like these coworkers. You wanted a job. We have got to get an understanding of who God is. He is not a genie that caters to our emotions. Because he understands how fickle they are. Think about all the things we prayed for and then we got them and then we start complaining about the very thing we prayed for. We prayed for the house and then we got the house. Oh, Lord, everything breaking down. Being a homeowner so hard. Everything... Our emotions are so fickle. That's why God can't go based on them things. We pray for something and we cry, Lord, if you would just, if you would just show up in this era of my life, God, then I will follow you. And he does it. And then we'd be like, uh-uh, this ain't what I meant. <laughs> what? It's all throughout scripture. That's what the scriptures are meant to do. They're to highlight our heart and how we continue to approach God as humans. And God's like, stop it. <laughs> Trust me. Come on, April says, I hear you. His mission is returning souls back to him, not for my comfort. It's not. So when we say God will provide, God will protect, he will. But it may not be the way you want him to. Was God providing for Joseph when he was in the prison? Mm-hmm. Was he was he protecting Joseph when he was a slave? Yes, he was. It didn't feel good. It didn't feel good. But it was good because it was God. Latrice says he is in the business of changing lives by any means necessary. Even if on the way to transforming your life, you're crying for three years. 
He's all right with that. You got to understand that, right? I love April. She said, y'all, this is hard. It is. That's why we avoid, be honest, either we avoid the Old Testament because number one, we can't understand a word it says, or number two, oh, it just seemed too hard. Thank God for Jesus. Same God. Old Testament, New Testament, same God. We'd be like, oh no, let give me back to the gospels, the love. I'm like that too. But it's through the, the whole scriptures that you will learn him. You'll learn who he is. You'll get a sobering understanding of who God is. Sobering. God wants us to be, he doesn't want us to be drunk on some weird, do I, God do anything I want him to do. That's not who he is. <laughs> April says, I thought the biggest fear was revelation. Oh, we going to go there too. We, we, we're reading revelation this year. Actually, in a few books, we're gonna we're gonna read a few more, and then we're gonna go to Revelation. It's gonna be a lot of fun because some of us have been avoiding that book too. Why? Because we're like, oh no, I just want I want the I want I want Psalms, I want Proverbs, and I want like the the Gospels and the real good feel good stuff. And God's like, look, you missing you missing half of who I am. <laughs> I want to show God wants to show you Himself. Even the uncomfortable parts, because we'll find that even in the uncomfortable parts, we will find his love. But the his love looks different than what we, than the, the picture that we, we paint. When I looked at the lineup of the books we're going to be reading, I'm like, oh, Lord, Jesus, it might just be me and you, Lord. <laughs> But I know that God has some people that are hungry to learn about him. Even if it means that I have to sit in, in discomfort. <laughs> Erica says, anyone tired though? Yeah, I feel you, sis. It's a lot. But God says it doesn't need to be heavy. Trust me. Come on. God is just showing us through Joshua. I cringe through every single reading. Some of y'all can probably see my face when I'm reading Joshua. And after I read the chapter, I go up to my husband and I'm like, why did God have us read this book? Ah, <laughs> but God, God is doing something amazing. He's showing us himself, y'all. He's showing us himself. He's showing us himself.
God wants us to know him. Yes, he loves us. Yes, he cares. Yes, he's there. Yes, he walks with you. Yes, he's going to provide. Yes, he's going to protect. But you got to trust his way to do it. For the children of Israel, his way included slavery and, and wilderness and war. It was hard. And in our life, who knows? I don't know what it's going to be for you. But trust God. He is with you. That's where it becomes unheavy. It's because we realize that he is with us. What does the scripture say? In this world, you will have trouble. But remember, Christ has overcome the world. Yes, it's hard right now. You might be crying. You might be crying more tears than you ever cried in your life. And God is just saying, I'm just taking you somewhere. I'm just taking you somewhere. I'm taking your family. I'm taking your generations somewhere. Bevy says, let's pause and reflect on all the ways God has provided for us, even in the brutal stages of our lives. Let's celebrate as we look into the mirror for the fine specimen we have grown to be. Hallelujah, Jesus. There's evidence that even in our most difficult times, God is there. And that is what he wants us to see. Don't get so caught up in how we want God to handle our situation in our lives. And instead, look for God even when it's hard. So this whole message about sobering up and seeing God for who he really is, it's to draw us into a deeper and fuller relationship with God, where our circumstances don't throw us out of fellowship with him, because he's going to lead us to some really crazy circumstances to get us to where he needs us to go. There's some of us that have got health issues that we're fighting. And, and, and 
weight issues that we're struggling with, but we don't understand that God wants us to follow him on a particular path so that we can teach someone else. We don't understand that there's someone else waiting for our willingness to trust God and fight through, to change our eating habits, do all the things we don't want to do. Why? It's not because God wants you thin. It's because of souls. All of this is always because of souls with God. All of it. Always. Right now, God is asking me to trust him financially. I've all I've struggled with that for since I my since I became an adult. And I know that God is saying this time, you're gonna walk through this. Come on. Because somebody else needs this testimony that's brewing on the inside of you this time. Woo, come on, hallelujah. This time, you're going to stand up. You're going to walk through this. Woo, I know we got to go, but this thing is hitting me so hard. This time, God, woo, come on, Lord, hallelujah. There's a soul on the other side of your obedience. Come on. Jesus. Woo, come on, hallelujah. Mm, mm, mm. Come on, hallelujah. Hallelujah, we're going to pray. Because if I keep talking, I think I might just shout and just... Mm. Woo! Come on, hallelujah. Come on, Jesus. There's a testimony loading. Do we trust God? Trust God. Woo! Come on. Trust God, trust God, trust God. In the wilderness, in the pit, wherever you find yourself, trust God. Hallelujah. Father God, we thank you. Oh my goodness, Lord. Thank you for me. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for the what this message is doing on the inside of me. Lord God, I thank you, Lord, that you are using a book that I often just read through speedily because I'm trying to get through all the wars and it makes me uncomfortable. But I thank you, God, on a personal level that you are using this book to change my thinking, that you are using this book that I've rushed through than making me sit through it chapter by chapter. Lord, I thank you that you are using the uncomfortable thing to change my life. Father, I thank you from a personal place. Lord, I pray that as we all go through our day, Lord, that you would continue to show us yourself. Lord, that we would not get drunk off of who we want you to be, but we will have a sober understanding of who you are. Lord God, I pray that we will understand that you are God. You are you are our father, but you are also God. You are the creator of heaven and earth. You love us, but you are also 
God, you have a plan that is that exceeds us, that, that is bigger than our life. Lord God, help us to trust that you are God and that I am not God. I am but a mere speck on the whole continuum of your plan. And Lord, I thank you that you care for this little speck. But Father God, I have to get a reality check. Thank you for the reality check that I'm not all there is. That you love me, but you love so many more. Father, thank you. Thank you. And Lord, we continue to give us your, our heart and we just ask you to soften it, Lord. Take the areas that are hard, Lord, and we pray that you take a jackhammer to those areas and you soften those areas up and break off any of the hardness, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Ooh, my God. Last thing that hit me, and we gonna go. It just hit me while we were praying. The thing that is producing the hardness in your heart is entitlement. Somewhere along the line, you've been convinced that you are entitled to certain things. You are entitled not to go through hard times. You are entitled. And God's like, that's just not true. But because God loves us, he will walk with us, protect and provide for us. So shift entitlement to gratitude because he didn't have to do it. need to go because I need to go lay on some floor somewhere and just thank God because he's so good come on Erica says t-shirt there's a testimony loading I'm gonna do that today I'm gonna do that today I'm, I'm I'll put that in the group all right y'all <laughs> this was a very long and you know preachy <laughs> word is with Jesus but my God I pray that God stirred up your heart like he stirred up mine um and uh yeah share the video and all those things it's an uncomfortable video i get it i get it but i pray that god continues to stir up our hearts like comment share subscribe um and uh join the faith mama's tribe app and donate if you feel so led. I love you guys. And I pray that you have an amazing Tuesday. And Lord willing, I'll see you tomorrow as we jump into Joshua chapter 12. Bye for now.